0: And if you know Ergo, we love Independent and we love shit not being
1: locked down. So,
0: <laughs> so go ahead and get Overcast for free on the App Store. This is The Celebration.
2: This is The Celebration. This is Celebration. So Hi friends. This is Ergo. This is the Celebration Suite. My name is Dave Von Clark and I'm the multimedia producer for Ergo. I'm here with uh, Damon Williams and Daniel Kissinger and we are uh, gonna 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 talk a little bit.
0: I don't that know. was just, I don't that know was strong. Know. No, that was okay, great. So we're gonna keep it. Yeah, I don't even gotta do it. No, no, no. that was <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I, right. I could I could see you doubting yourself. You did a great job. That's a very strong introduction. Yeah, yeah, I wanted Thank to you, encourage, but didn't want to interrupt. You're, we're, we're here. <laughs> we're we're just proud parents. <laughs> 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 Thank you for having
2: me. Little us. baby walking <laughs> and introducing things. I love it. <laughs> I remember when he was this tall. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh man!
2: Oh, man. Oh, man. It's good to be here, y'all. It is really good to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah. thank you for having um, us. Yeah,
2: thank y'all. Yeah, it's good to have y'all. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'd like to start the episode um, how we always start our episodes, you know, um, in this time and however you define time. How is this world treating you and how are you treating the world? But, you know, I'd like to ask y'all both that individually. Um, but I also want to ask y'all that, like, as a unit, um, how you two mm. are um, treating the world and how the world well, is treating Let's do y'all. the unit third let's both get okay, better and,
1: and then try to collectivize yeah nice
0: i'll I'll knock out the the personal first i'm doing good i was just home for a week with my family in the bronx um and got a little sick got this terrible cold uh and i was like i'll, I'll move my flight back moved it back a little and then i was like you know what i want to like just stay and hang out with my parents for a little bit and so i just like pushed the flight back again had a weekend like walking in Central Park and drinking wine with my parents and laughing, and it was wonderful. Sometimes when I leave here or there, I feel like very strong pull to whichever one I'm leaving. And I feel that a little bit, but I mostly just felt like I had a good life on both sides of it. So that felt really good. So I feel like the world, my world, my people are treating me really well. I think I, I have a nagging fear of me being complacent, which is always there, but overall I feel like kind of in flow In my life in a good way and like there's a difference between like not in conflict internally (laughs) and being complacent (laughs) so that's that's what i would say is that i'm i'm in i'm
1: in a good flow it's it's interesting now in doing the suite we're getting in practice of like Answering this multiple times in a row. So this is I'm just intrigued by like the listeners because I always remember what I said the last couple of times. Uh, but the you know, the update on how the world's treating me and how I'm treating the world is since we last recorded, I I unfortunately suffered my my fifth concussion that I've that I've had in life. And so I am dealing with that now. And as they compound, the like symptoms are much more long-lasting. And uh it's kind of like a weird scary metaphor i'm dealing with a lot of like high stress response and like queasiness and nausea and basically in addition to some small healing remedies most of what you're supposed to do is like nothing and be still and like be in the dark which then feeds into already existing guilt's or even just like is saddening a little bit because uh, it's kind of scary in terms of the plans of just the different ways of things trying to build here with Ergo, personally, in community and in movement. And so I'm in a place of, I was about to say a place of evaluation, but it's kind of hard to evaluate. I'm in a, like a week to week. I need to like assess what my capacity is right now. And there's a lot of metaphor in that of like the things that are stressful then have like a physical impact in ways that like offer me some learnings, but it is, if I'm being honest, a little, little scary and, and saddening to be holding and dealing with. And it's now about two weeks or going on two weeks, and I'm still, still definitely feeling it.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Concussions are scary. I had a bunch, and like that was like a big reason why I stopped wrestling. Yeah, yeah, it's scary. Hoping for the best with that.
0: It's a different type of wrestling we've been doing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you still <laughs> need your brain for that. We'll get into too. the metaphors early. Yeah, <laughs> I like <exactly>. it. <laughs>
0: And then for us as a unit, I think a little zoom out, yeah. we're just in a really great place with the with the work we've been doing in a way that like we've never been before. We for the first time are able to treat ergo like a full-time job and and actually that's working. There have been other times where I treated it as a full-time job, but that wasn't really feasible, but it's been really good and we've been doing all kinds of new things that have been like long-term developing projects beyond anything we've ever taken on before we mentioned it a couple episodes ago, but we're doing this multi-part audio documentary about Hazel Johnson and people for community recovery and environmental justice that has really been like stretching and growing us and has gotten us in different types of conversations and really changing both like what we're making, but also how we make it. You know, we know we can interview people till the cows come home. um, But this is like a different type of work and a different type of growth that has been really exciting. So yeah, I feel really good about where we are and it feels like something that for the first time could be a path towards sustainability. You know, we didn't really like reflect much at 200 episodes. I think we were kind of in a different place. And so this like artificial timeline of reflecting came at a time where we were kind of ready to and feel like we really got into a different place. I don't know. What do you feel, Dan?
1: Yeah, my metaphor that's coming to me visually I don't feel very eloquent with it right now. The notion of like horizon. So I'm thinking of the world, like the physical, spherical nature of the world and how that creates horizon. So I feel like, you know, the Ergo world is spinning. And within that, there's like light that comes up on a daily basis, right? Like there's this feeling to, what Daniel speaking of, of like possibility of expansion, of hope, right? Like I think a lot of, A lot of how I see my life, my work is much more integrated or connected with the vision of what I hope Airgrow is growing to be. Um, So, yeah, the the projects are exciting, but I think also uh, feeling a little bit more crisp or doubling down on like what the goals and contributions of the show can be. There was a lot of like abstract ideas of what we hope we're contributing to the world by having these conversations and now that's feeling a little bit more specific or concrete or 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 laid out so i think that, yeah when i when i feel about how the world's treating me i feel like we are in procession i
2: think that like it leads really well into like the first questions i wanted to ask so i i, I hear that like um what's it called like listeners already heard the origin story earlier in the suite so maybe we won't go into it too much but I do want to look a lot at the advancement of Ergo of like it's starting as like a way to like talk to the homies or like maybe connect to like folks that you're inspired by to like today, where last week on Tax day, I sent in like a 1099. Like in y'all's name, right?
0: Like, that's wild to me to think about. I just like, wanted to we just wanted to make more people do taxes. That was really
2: hard. <laughs> it's amazing. been a capitalist show from the beginning.
0: No, no, <laughs> just feed it right into the government. That's what
1: we're here for. Um, <laughs> Keynesian, baby.
0: <laughs> it's Keynesian, baby. <laughs>
1: I'm off the deep end. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is gonna be fun. Um, (laughs)
2: But I'd really like to ask y'all about that, though. Yeah, like, well, how far into like like the origin story did y'all get with
0: uh, with Eve? We did like where how it started. Okay, like going back to us first meeting. We didn't talk that much about the show growth as much. So we, I think that's fair game. Yeah, let's go. Awesome.
2: So I can give like a little bit of scope. Like I came in and around like like fall 2018 i remember doing my application in a in a coffee shop downtown and had like seen y'all's names in a lot of places especially with like people that like i either like was a fan of or like was cool with or whatever and then y'all were tweeting like oh we're looking for somebody to like start doing social media work so as i was like filling out this like email application um was then looking through like all y'all's episodes instead of like just the ones that like my friends had like been on and i was like wait there are so many people that either like i know or like are, like, within, like, circles with or, like, are inspired by. And I'm, like, who the hell are these dudes, you know? Um, And then research more and more. But I feel like that's when, like, a big shift started turning of, like, now we're looking for a social media person. I know y'all had, like, somebody before, um, but it seemed, especially when I was brought on, like, that there were a lot more, like, projects happening or, like, y'all started, like, wanting to travel more for it, started having more live shows. Um, When did, like, that shift, like, start? When did you, like, start conceptualizing, like, this will become bigger? um, And when did it actually start becoming bigger? You know, what do those steps look like?
0: Yeah, it's a great, your timeline is is precise. (laughs) We recently were looking at our like stats as part of this reflection. And I do it every day. (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 they
2: bro during Myra's episode when you were like um i forget you were like 39 co- i forget what the 39 countries thing was like a reference yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah i love having that at the tip of my fingers i never look at the stats and
0: i listened to all the episodes damon looks at all the stats and never listens to the episodes, so. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good combination it works, works well that's perfect yeah um but one thing you we noticed in looking at the stats which we at the time, but was really pronounced, was <laughs> damn near nobody listened in 2018. Like, it was a terrible year in terms of our show growth. We were like continuing the same format. We had like moved into the recording studio some of the times. So we weren't live on the radio as much, but we had kind of hit this plateau and then it started to kind of drop off. And you know, we've been doing the show for three years and we had conversations of like, is this something we want to keep doing in its form in this time frame? The turn, you know, it still was taking a lot of our lives without feeling like there was forward momentum on it. And it was also, you know, in the context of the rest of our lives, like we were both working other jobs and doing other things and movement. Like it was, it was not really sustainable the way that that was happening. And, you know, so I was like applying for some other jobs with the idea we could keep Ergo going, you know, once a month or something like that. So I applied for this job working for the parks department, a good city job. The parks district had like a cultural arts liaison role. So it was like arts organizing in the parks. And I was like, all right, maybe this makes sense as a next chapter. Like I won't be able to do as much in this thing we fed so much energy into. But, you know, it'll bring some stability, move towards something else. This is like a grown up thing to do. And long story short, didn't get the job. And then two months later, they offered it to me. And I decided not to do it kind of on this feeling of like doubling down on the show of like, no, I want to invest in trying to make this something beyond what it's been. And so, yeah, we kind of that was around when we like got lined up with our fiscal sponsor, started figuring out other ways to bring in some money, uh, moved our energy from trying to do as much touring, you know, and getting booked to do workshops to like building other ways to bring new eyes and ears to the project. Then it moved from a radio show to a project. And now we're moving from like a project to an entity. I kind of feel like, but it was this moment that was not a given that the show would continue. And that was part of that doubling down was when we, I think we brought you on board Um, of like, no, we're going to really give this a try. Dame, does that seem right?
1: Yeah, that rings true. I don't, I don't have like, you know, much detail outside of just like the retrospect of you know, they always say those things about consistency and you know I'm, I'm big and like hearing people's biographies and like yeah definitely that moment of when you coming on as like a low listening point uh but also at that time we were starting to figure out how to like facilitate and partner a little bit more so at that same time where li- people were listening the less i think we were also feeling like we were coming into some type of mastery of our skill set and so it felt like we were doing really good things (laughs) and like the conversations were as rich Uh, but also it was a part of that was also the transition away from you know kind of being on a tangent of, of clout and like kind of relying on like this kind of like popular exposure on the music side to really focusing in on I think some of the things we were a little bit more passionate about and you know introducing work or introducing folks to an audience that had started to build as opposed to trying to be in the 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 tailwind of particularly like you know artists that were were growing in popularity yeah on that
0: we Gosh, were like we we want to like build our own audience and then it's like all right well you don't
1: have that big of an audience
0: <laughs> this, is who, this is who you got so yeah. shout and out like to soundcloud had like
1: fallen off for a little bit so like we were getting out of the algorithms that like we were in at first yeah it was it was a whole thing
2: yeah we were we were at about 200 listens an episode back when i first started and now like if we get less than like 800 i'm like what did i do wrong
0: in the first <laughs> week yeah, yeah which is
2: crazy to think about that that's just yeah. that that yeah it's crazy to think about for me. Um, yeah.
0: And I think the other thing of that moment was like just realizing if we wanted it to keep growing, like we needed some help because, like, the skill set that you have, neither of us have. And we faked it the best we could, but like we really don't know how to do that work and don't have the skills and the like savvy and wherewithal of how to do it effectively. So I think, you know, a lot of the growth, some of it was the consistency and what happened next and all that, but a lot of it was. contribution that you made to you know building that practice that you know within a year our socials had grown like crazy and it wasn't because we were doing something that differently it was because you were doing your work well
1: um so and it was noted yeah that was a huge part of the change yeah yeah, visually interacting with the work in, in different ways for sure yeah that's huge thank you yeah Oh, oh no! You're part of this, you're have to, and, and you're gonna have to accept some
0: compliments throughout the episode. That's part I'll to, of the deal.
2: I'll give y'all four each, four compliments each. <laughs> All
0: right, that's one. <laughs> we'll keep it
2: yeah. I was like already getting emotional when y'all were like explaining. Like, and then there was this one moment where I was like, I had to look. Yeah, no, this is gonna be crazy. <laughs> um, well, you kind of spoke it to it in there, but I was, I really think a lot about the move from like ergo radio for it to just be like just this podcast thing where like you sometimes do the things so like a project where it is like the like the the external things outside of the podcast are like externally a part of the operation. To now like what will soon be like i don't know maybe already is like ergo media like a, so much broader than like just a podcast like if you go on like radio.com, there obviously like is a podcast and it's obviously like a podcast website but like is not the focus of the website right like there are so many other resources and i try to like be objective about it and i'm like you know what what do we what are we doing outside of like just talking to people um but what do you i, I guess that's all to say like what do y'all want like the Ergo project project grow into where do you think it is like right now and like what do you want it to look like at the at, like once once if we're going back to that horizon image once you're like finally over the hill and you see the whole sun what's the sky look like
0: Well, before we get to the future stuff, I want to talk about what you just said too, which is so much of that happened in pandemic of like, you know, we had this like kind of fever dream of making a shit ton of episodes at the beginning for no reason, which we joked about last time, (laughs) but then, you know, once uprising happened, but even a little bit before that, but really when uprising happened, like trying to figure out what are the other resources that we can pull together that would be helpful And I'd never really thought of our show, you know, we did like community announcements and stuff like that. So there was some sense of like, this could be a hub where where people could get information. But that was, I think, just for me, a big shift of like, maybe I shouldn't spend my energy this week talking to people. Maybe I should spend it making this spreadsheet and this resource list. And like in the proliferation of, you know, Instagram galleries with resources before that kind of like became... Destructive. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes. Like, there was this feeling of, like, oh, this is if what we're doing is using digital media as a way to move people into movement and into action, there are other ways to do that um, beyond just talking to people on a microphone. Um, So, I take a lot of pride actually in these like small projects that we did, then, you know, the COVID stimulus redistribution, the liberation resource list, and like seeing the impact of those things spreading beyond our listeners, people who never. You know, heard the show, knew what we were. It became a place that people could go, and I felt like we could, to some degree, be trusted as a resource in that, and that we didn't share anything. Also, that was just like word of mouth things that ended up being bogus. Like we were a trusted source in a way that I think a lot of even official or journalists word of our were. mouth. We- <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> but it wasn't just like I saw this thing on Twitter, so I reshared it. Yeah,
0: like yeah. that's just something that I've. Again, similar to how we made the show, like, this was a thing that I would have wanted to hear or engage with, so I should make it. Like, people want to contribute, people want to help, people want to get plugged in. How can we use the knowledge and the resources we have to create pathways in that, like, aren't destructive, that seemed like something to do? And I, I feel really proud, actually, of the energy that was put into that. Because I think, in its little ways, it was a good contribution that was outside of our wheelhouse.
1: Yeah, to to the question of like, what we see, I'll go outside then in. Um, so just ex- externally, in terms of you know what the ultimate satisfying vision I have for for the impact of this work is you know growing from just entertaining or educating an audience to activating a base of people, and so you know for the last five or so years especially since you know this has become a more consistent part of my life i just have these like x-ray terminator goggles for all like media or large gathering of people so like if i if i go to a concert whether it's like some big live nation something at the united center or just like something at sub t or you know promontory or something i always think of like oh wow we're all looking at this person right like what if in this time that you got 20,000 people together or 200 people together, we looked at each other and like actually began to engage and become more connected, right? like I think a lot of times when folks gather attention, the extent of the impact can go to like buy something or don't buy something, vote for something or don't vote for something, or kind of like the in-between of like donate, which is kind of like a buy-vote hybrid. And like, you know, th- those things can be a value and I don't want to diminish- you know, well, some of it I do. Some of it I think is just for capital. I'd argue donate <laughs> is the most useful. Of donate is person. effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Donate, <laughs> donate meets in the middle. But, but sometimes, you know, even that can be can be passive. And so what does it look like to be able to further activate folks in the work that they already want to do, as opposed to just being a supporter of something or to folks who are passive supporters? What does it look like to create, you know, visible, tangible entry points? into engaging in the work and that not just mean like do a protest and start a mutual aid table which you know everyone should at least have some experience or some proximity to but whether that's artistically creatively within your healing journeys right like i just want this work to be more explicitly an activating resource Uh, and then internally the the seeds in between our partnerships and some of the ways we've been able to consult is kind of there but i really want to get to the space of. We recognize the value of somebody's skill set, somebody's work focus, somebody's personality or group, you know, and they have a desire to put something out in the world. We have a desire to support it. Um, And so there's some real skills we developed in terms of helping to build vision, helping to build out schedule. But I think the next step is then to have an established infrastructure that then Daniel and I, you know, even if we're present, right, can like step back, uh, but actually create this ecosystem. Um, So there's so many organizations, so many amazing people that should be doing very similar work to what we're doing in their own ways and helping to make that exist and then to help them be coordinated with each other. And then that be a, you know, the, the big Power Rangers version of that activation that I was talking about. So what does it look like if it's not just, you know, people that like the, the the sound of our voice, but a whole ecosystem of people that are listening to similarly liberatory focused, creative and, and political cultural work. And that really being, a, you know, a activated movement base that then can do something electorally or then can do a boycott or then can do a strike or, you know, set up beautiful healing centers in parks, right? Or support those things that are already happening more actively than just being like, Oh, I like this. Or wasn't that cool.
2: That's even helpful for like thinking about like how to approach my work and stuff like that. Both the your audience just thank y'all. That's very exciting.
1: Oh, and I'm going to say another, this is, now this is a, a little bit of a long shot, like, and maybe this is because it's my personal needs, but I also want to find a new contribution to art. And I feel like we have like figured out our like organizer activism, support but i would like to figure out how we can use media whether it's through like you know kind of building off what we started to do with some of the listening session suites and maybe having like a more extended kind of like artist mobilization and maybe not just musical art work so that feels like a little bit more down the road but i would love to be able to help with like publishing and some of the like background support that then an artist doesn't have to go and start their whole own podcast or whole other like interactive space that we create like channels for that to to happen and, and to be a little bit more fluid. An ergo record label would be very cool. That's kind of what I was trying to not <laughs> yeah. say and I'll not overly commit that. to, but like kind of in there a little bit. And that's
0: where Daniel finally encounters evil version of Daniel. It all
1: comes together. I've a long time said evil
0: Daniel runs a record label. <laughs> so not that. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I think even. Dialectic something- transformation. Of
0: no, I'm trying, trying to move. I'm trying to take you from here to here. <laughs> this is gonna Y'all be know, a smash, guys.
2: <laughs> oh, no. Y'all know about Coulda Been Records, the thing that Drewski does? No. Yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> Daniel, it's like um, he are you familiar who Drewski is?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: He does like a like a, a recurring skit thing or whatever of like he is like an evil like A and R or like record label exec like, <laughs> and like he purposefully signs like people that are like not good or whatever. Either <laughs> way, all to say, I, yeah. whatever. I don't even want to get into like how we could connect to that, but. Um something that's very connected to that is when we were doing um the Apple events, I was thinking about how like off-rip, oh, how fucking cool it is to be like an artist, to be able to like go to like Michigan Avenue, perform in front of people who like would probably never like come to your show because not even because they don't like you, but just because like they don't either like interact with like whatever sphere would be like sharing your post to like show that you have a show or whatever. Um, like one, that exposure is too or like is is great. But like two motherfuckers got an ipad to perform for like an hour <laughs> or like to do a workshop for an hour and like i can't speak for anybody else but like that ipad has hey, like, you
0: were geeked off that ipad dog. For good reason. Yeah. <laughs>
1: has drastically changed my life like <laughs> and like whatever companies nothing whatever. else like, we've activated you like, yes. <laughs> <That is true. laughs> yeah.
0: so for for context just what this was this was right before pandemic this is january 2020 It is, I think, our only corporate partnership is we worked with the Apple store on Michigan Avenue to curate a month of, uh, we did, uh, what, five, six events, and it was like a combination of talks and performances, and we brought a bunch of people in, and everyone got some equipment, uh, and it was, you know, January in Chicago, in the evening on Michigan Avenue. It was somewhat sparsely attended, but part of what that created was actually like really interesting fugitivity of like there are 20 people here and they're all participating in this conversation in ways that if there was a bigger audience wouldn't have happened and it was happening there. It was just, it was like an odd and fun thing. And then those were like the last times when we gathered for a really long time. Um, But yeah, that's just for, for, for those who weren't as tuned in then.
2: Those were really cool moments because like anytime I've ever seen like a today at Apple thing, it's like when I'm just like going in there to get like my laptop fixed or something like that. And There's, like, one of the workers is, like, doing something, like, this is how you, like, draw a pig on, like, Illustrator or something, you know, like, appropriate (laughs) or whatever. And it's usually, like, you maybe have, like, two people and, like, some kids that are, like, paying attention while their kids are shopping. But, like, for every single one of those events, there were, like, crowds of people that I don't think, like, I'm sure it's, like, some of them came either because, like, the artist was, like, publicizing because we were. But, like, many people from what I was like seeing and watching where like people like we're like in the crowd or whatever and just like came in and we're actually engaging with this stuff and I was like oh this can be like big like not even just at apple but like anywhere I'm like we are bringing in artists that like are connected to our show that are doing amazing things like on their own like they're not like doing amazing things because of our co-sign or whatever and like we just happen to be able to put them in this room who are then like showing like yo see like if you give like if I have like a crowd in front of me I will like do something amazing with them. I don't know. It was a fly shit ever to me, but I was like, imagine what that could be on like a grand scale.
0: Yeah. I mean, the the reason why I was willing to try to do that one is because it was like maybe our last attempt at clout, but it also, those stores and that space in particular is like one of the last attempts at like a corporate version of a commons, right? Like they built that to look like an amphitheater, amphitheater. like a <laughs> gathering space. And so, you know, if they're gonna fill that space and it's, you know, supposed to be public, that work should be part of that public too. You know, I wouldn't I don't know, Dane, we, you know, we haven't exactly like set clear guidelines on what we would or wouldn't do with work stuff. It just also people don't approach us with like corporate gigs, but like Mm -hmm. I wouldn't do a behind closed doors corporate thing, even if the money was much better or it was still cool, you know. The reason why that to me felt worthwhile was because That is for not for better, for worse, like as close as we come in Chicago, other than the parks to having like a common space where people of different backgrounds come together is like in those weird public, private, hybrid,
1: commodified spaces. So, yeah, it was cool to put that there. Yeah, that point makes me think of um, there's this interesting trajectory that might come across in the celebration suite of that. We've been like facilitating more in the last few years off mic. And I think we learn so much about our work, and then we realize that we don't come back and just explicitly say it on mic. Um, so we we, we recently uh, w- with uh, Columbia did something around um, anti-colonial history and talking about our work as uh, an oral history specifically, an yeah. anti-colonial oral history project. And so we had to make this list about like what does that mean like why how are we making that claim what 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 does that mean for us where does that show up in our work and in our experience and one of the things we named is not being beholden to established institutional power you know so it's not saying don't interact or don't engage uh but once your work is determined and beholden to the university or to the medical industrial complex or to the banking, you know, whatever. Insert, you know, established state-sanctioned institution here, and and there is this power dynamic of then that will affect the resistant possibilities of the work. But because we're able to kind of engage and not be beholden to Apple, right? Like we, you know, we didn't come in there and just do like, and here's our, you know, our Marxist manifesto. <laughs> but anti-capitalist, abolitionist, anti-imperial logic and framing and community building was like explicitly a part of that opportunity and it was a good opportunity so yeah finding those little like tensions and contradictions uh because disengagement i don't think is the answer but figuring out how to not be like co-opted or compromised in some of these some of these partnerships with entities larger than us yeah and people may disagree with that also people (laughs) who would
0: say disengagement actually is the answer of like you can't clever your way through co-optation in that way and there were ways in that actually more so than any other collaboration where we did implicitly who got booked who didn't get booked things they said yes and then didn't say you know that was the closest to it that we came and I think there was some discomfort but more than anything like exhaustion that it took but that's what it taught me was like if you want to try to walk that line that like non profity y we're hashtag resistance, but we're not actually talking about liberation. It's really exhausting, not to mention ineffective, because that's not really a contradiction you can uh, resolve. You just kind of like sit in it and nobody talks about it. And then it everything kind of sucks a little bit. So that, that was an interesting example. And I think is the closest to that kind of compromise that at least I've come in our work together and it was definitely a learning moment. It's beautiful. But the events were cool. Yeah,
2: they were great. (laughs) I love them. I you got an iPad. (laughs) I cannot, whatever, whatever. I I was about to get way too excited about it again, all over. (laughs) I uh, not necessarily just from like those events, but I think in general, like those concepts y'all were just talking about has really shaped like who I've become like as a worker under capitalism. Especially when I first moved to Chicago, I was like, I need to get. An office job or like I, at the time I was like very deep into like journalism as a photojournalist. And I was like, I need to get like a classic job at like a newsroom or something so I can get insurance, so I could have like whatever, whatever, whatever. And many times when I got into those rooms, because I did, but like I I was compromising so much like on myself and almost felt like like as like a young, like 23, 24-year-old, like, oh, is this just like part of growing up or whatever? But like was constantly at odds. And the more and more that I worked with y'all and like saw how y'all were working too, I was like, you don't have to do that as much as like college will tell you that you have to do that. Or like, as much as like society would tell you like, yeah, you have to sacrifice this or like you have to become this person for eight hours. I was like, Oh, one, these contradictions are like a natural part of living in society, but also two like, you don't have to compromise as much as, as you think you do in order to like get what you want. It may look very different, you know, instead of like getting insurance through like whatever big company, I just ended up being able to get my own insurance, but like doing my own work off of that um yeah so i do really appreciate y'all's like i don't know discernment i maybe i is the word in like how to navigate these these icky things about being a grown-up in the united states of america
1: and i i appreciate that one that vulnerability uh but two also just like this is coming from my panel brain of a lot of times in panels people ask like what is needed um and it took me a long time to kind of like refine the answer when that question is asked about like movement spaces and i think that goes to movement media but i think community as well is an independent political economy right like there is a a um an almost non-consensual structure set up that doesn't allow a distribution of resources outside of corporate and government Activity And so what is needed to be able to resist that is the investment, the creation, the emergence of an independent political economy from movement and community so that people can have that choice of, even if it's not to scale or not, you know, dollar for dollar, but to be able to say, I can make decisions and provide for self and family and life and loved ones through doing work for humanity um and like coming into 2014 2015 2016 outside of you know very explicit nonprofit controlled spaces not even just funded spaces uh that was not possible and so i think that to the question of like what is ergo trying to contribute to being a piece of what a movement political economy with some autonomy looks like um, so that people like You know, you and all of the homies can have at least pathways moving forward because those weren't really clear, I think, as we were coming of age.
0: And I think it's a lesson that at least I learned from relationships and studying artists because artists have always Mm -hmm. crafted pathways outside of these traditional structures and not always beneficially. And I don't think you should have to starve to be an artist. and. You shouldn't have to starve to be anyone, but <laughs> you
1: shouldn't have to starve. <laughs> yeah, that's a baseline. I think that's a claim we can make. I think Eric will stands on that. <laughs> Put that on the website.
2: Yeah. Let's <laughs> not that's get political, <laughs>
0: <laughs> But this like willingness to say, you know what? Yeah. You know, the nine to five lives in our hearts and minds, too. Like, I'm not going to do that. And. I was actually, I was just talking with my mom about this because we were talking about some of the like stereotypes of millennials in the workplace and like how, you know, they want instant gratification and they move their jobs. And I was like, first of all, who are these people? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, who are I'm these like, people
1: with jobs? Like, exactly. Hey, all my mom exactly. is a
0: freelancer. Like, who, who is <laughs> like, quitting? A million people quit. Who are these people?
1: Um, but the West Loop is a microcosm.
0: Which is a whole other podcast, but the feeling for me was always like this isn't about me being unhappy. this is like I'm gonna reject as my and there's privilege in this, but like I don't yeah. want that life, yeah, <laughs> like that's not appealing that's not a value system that is motivating for me, um, and I'm gonna double down on trusting that I can figure out another path, and some of that you know between your dad and you know my parents also having their different ways through this like I feel like I had some examples of people in my life who made that choice and rejected that and I feel like that's become much more mainstream over the course of this show of like this isn't just wow wow I don't want to work it's like no I don't want to work (laughs) like my labor (laughs) being exploited is not acceptable with me and I need to figure out another way to live and, and unionizing work, yeah, right. And, and so what I realized in in that like assumption about you know millennials are always quitting, they don't want to work is people have always resisted the way that they had to work. They just were able to organize. That's how we had like labor organizing. And then they spent decades, you know, cutting the legs out from the labor movement. And so people didn't know that they could do that. So now instead of you know being like annoying millennials, Starbucks workers are unionizing or Amazon workers are unionizing or, you know, the onion, (laughs) these comedy writers are unionized. Like it moves from these individual discontents to like being a fertile ground for rethinking how we think about labor. And I feel like that's the kind of milieu we've been swimming in, you know, more so than our personal choices. And that was like, there's got to be another way because we see the harm that this way causes.
1: Man, if, if these boomers hate millennials in the workplace, they wouldn't be able to stand 16th century peasant uprisings people, <laughs> people have been quitting their job <laughs> and making demands and walking out in in, in much grander ways <laughs> than, than a, a, a signed email that, that circulates around and goes on Twitter for a couple of days <laughs> like that this was is the mild version resignation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> talk about we quit we quit and so do you <laughs> <laughs> These are the bio workers. <laughs> that is so, funny. That is so funny.
2: <laughs> I um I have I have one more like ergo specific question, and I have a few questions for like y'all individually. Um, that might like tie into each other and everything. I think I might save that last ergo one for like the end. If it feels like a nice okay. little all right. Like, thing Sounds to, like
1: a plan. Y- you put a pin in it. Oh, man, I feel like a part you're of the show. You're facilitating the combo. Oh, That's oh,
0: how you man. do it. you <laughs> right into the audio drops. That means you're, you're
1: home. We're prepared for it, but then we're going to move on. Uh-huh.
0: I got to
2: find a way to say pivot in here. I I, I really missed the pivot here. <laughs> you uh, just did.
1: Pivot! Pivot! There
2: it is. We're, we're going to pivot. Actually, before we can go to the individual questions, can I give you the bathroom really quick? Is that okay?
0: Okay. Of course. Okay. <laughs> While you were gone, we designed a new sound clip which is when people have to use the bathroom, we put Push and Pee in there. Push and
2: Pee. Oh, my God. No, I hear it enough from my eighth graders. Oh, my God. Every <laughs> 10 seconds. You push and pee, Mr. Clark? Wouldn't worry. Yeah, I guess.
0: Maybe that would be good <laughs> when they need to go to the bathroom, too.
1: Be, it's really a funny thing. I will say that this one would be an evergreen one, though. This will be mm-hmm. this will mm-hmm. this, this will
0: have its season. Yes.
1: Exactly. <laughs> So, I have again many individual
2: questions for both of y'all. Daniel, we'll start with you. Yes. Um, All right. <laughs> so, you, you alluded to this earlier during the, during the introductory question, but you're still very tied to New York, New York City for the listeners. You know what I'm saying? We're not upstate with it. Say no <laughs> Buffalo. Now, Buffalo's fine. I'm sorry. I, didn't, I shouldn't. Anyway, whatever. You're still very tied to, to New York, which is where you're from. But I, I don't know what you structurally like about Chicago and what you structurally like about New York, but it seems like ostensibly there are many things about both that you love how do you live between the two like how do you navigate having like a big heart for both of those places
0: mm. Ooh, i love that and i'm thinking of course about you and and your home and it's something that i think we've bonded over is like this kind of like split home life um so you know for the first few years i lived in chicago i was really almost splitting my time between the two cities and that has definitely like gone by the wayside. Some of it was work, some of it was like family, some of it was not really deciding if I was ready to commit to being here even in the now, let alone the future. And I still have a lot of those questions. So some of it is like I just didn't want to be left out of how Chicagoans talk about Chicago, so I just kind of started doing that about my home. Cause- <laughs> No one could talk shit to me <laughs> about that the same way I could talk shit to them. Uh, that's a big part of why it, why it happened. But I also, like, <laughs> I think I love Chicago less than I did as the show has gone on. <laughs> and I think the concept of loving a city is also less meaningful to me. Same thing with home. Like, I love home. I love my people in both. I love the things we built. But, like, this like boosterism over everything thing, like maybe it's because this isn't my place. I don't feel that connection to here. I feel connected to the things that I've had a hand in contributing to or that I value or admire. But like, it was interesting. I was, I was in this phone call with kind of like a mentor figure and he was talking about like, you know, Daniel, you do a lot of different things, but it seems like the through line in them is Chicago. And I like recoiled a little bit. Like I didn't want to be defined by that because one, I want to do things that engage other parts of the world. And the city is not the most important thing in the world to me. Uh, The like movements toward (laughs) liberation that exist in it, that I am connected to are much more important to me than the like infrastructure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, But also like, I don't want to claim that that feels wrong to claim that this is mine to, to love that way. Like, I think there was some of that that was performative for a long time because of who I was around and the time that I was here, that there was this, like, Chicago is the center of the world and it's the best place and everything's important here. And, like, some of that was true and some of that was not. And I don't, that's not how I move through the world anymore. Like, this is where I live. This is where I have relationships. I have relationships in other places. It's been an interesting journey in that of like feeling like I was supposed to love this place and then deciding like maybe that's not what's needed in order for me to be valid is to love it the way people who are from here claim to love it. Like maybe that's not my
1: story. Yeah, I appreciate that. I don't wanna get too long and like reflect off what I hear, but I agree with a lot of that in the sense that. So, a realization I've had is like a lot of that city pride that people have are, are really just micro forms of nationalism. And, you know, the, like, my team Jersey, I think it is the same logic that, like, reinforces borders and reinforces some of this, like, nationalist global competition that is is destructive. And it is literally, like, the municipal outpost of the U.S. nation state. Like, Chicago is, as an entity, is beholden to, like, the Department of Justice and the United States government and the Constitution, and also is a place of indigenous genocide and and removal and you know it was funny we, we talked about the apple store but one of the uh work oh man i forgot homie's name but one of the cool homies that worked at the apple store pointed out that there's like a plaque right on michigan avenue and it says on this date was the first time europeans crossed this waterway just like that type of defining and memorialization is what this place is and to you know if you listen to us it's all about contradictions like within that Oppressive entity. There was this counterforce of you know liberatory human community making that is very unique and special. But it doesn't. I think. I think we've to Dale's point, like have allowed the beauty and the, the the counterbalance to like kind of romanticize the entity itself. And like, I have less and less Chicago pride in the same ways. I have little to no American pride and like masculine pride. You know, I I, I don't think it's actually helpful. To what we need to build
0: What I have pride of Vicariously Is the like Lives that people have built here Like that I actually have Like a deep love for And that's part of what actually Connects me to how I relate to home Is like
1: I love Yeah cause New York sucks too <laughs>
0: <laughs> every, city, every city sucks. Right, you watch know, it, right? buddy. No. <laughs> like, I love, you know, Arthur Avenue, and I love Parkchester in the Bronx, and the Bengali community, and the worlds that people have built for themselves in these, like, insane jungles of, like, repression. Like, to build a place where your people can live in these umbrellas of just, like, bizarre cognitive dissonance and violence I love that people have done that I love the way that people hold each other in their communities here even the ones that I like have no access to like I respect that and that is I think something that Chicago
1: actually does remarkably but I would love that anywhere yeah (laughs) yeah yeah realizing as we're saying this like you know these cities are really just like Big-ass work camps. <laughs> like, that's what they were designed for, is to to attract, you know, labor and to house, house workers to build up capital. And so, yeah, like, the waterways, the streets, they, they're not ecologically healthy. Uh, but the taqueria in the back of the grocery store, that's right, what I am Right, right, right. To
0: survive in that. You know? That donut with the barbecue and basically, I just love food behind other.
1: (laughs) Did did I have I announced here? So that donut and Uncle John's barbecue is an entity with two places in there. They opened up a third. There's now a hoagie (laughs) shop in there. Oh, I did see that's, that. that. that no, specializes I see, yeah. in shakes and smoothies. I drive past wow. it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Great work. Everybody. There's a third entity in this building. Please, people, I implore you. If you could get to 83rd and kind of got <laughs> it, just check this out. <laughs> <laughs> you have to see it. All right. If your own eyes. <laughs> There's never a parking spot that's open there. That's oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's oh, yeah. It's <sighs> hectic. Uh. It's, it's, you gotta maneuver. <laughs> i can coach you through I, I, i'll do maybe a little digital teaching on okay. how to park <laughs> sometimes you got to go around and come back in through the other side because the mm. all right it's all right, it's all right. And then yeah. by, they got their little firewood station right there and there's like two extra spots that aren't yeah. all right it's okay. <laughs> it's all
0: your right. car smells like mesquite but who doesn't like that, <laughs> <Yeah>. You know
2: damon <laughs> oh, i'm going to bounce to you with a question Let's do um, it. I often very much think about like being able to send y'all a photo of you that I took four years before I applied, you know, and like how that might have set me apart from like anybody else. <laughs> 100%. Um, <laughs>
0: Which, for, for context, when Devon applied, he had taken a photo at an event when you were in college, right? At, at yeah. Penn State? Me, me yeah, my sister, so,
1: and my dad came here before. <laughs> Penn State. Well, the best nights of my life. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy to me to think about, but. That, that event's called The Stoop.
2: And, like, that is, like, one of the biggest events for, like, performing artists of color at Penn State, right? You need to, like, audition to, like, have a slot in there and stuff like that. It's, like, very cool, very big. That's usually, like, where the cultural center, like, brings in, like, their big acts of the, of the year. Like, it was a very big moment for me. And it was, like, early on when I, like, first started, like, really using a camera and stuff like that. But either way, like, seeing y'all, I was like, man, I think, like, I could be an artist. That's, like, when things started, like, picking mm. for me that night of, like, I think oh, wow. this could be my life. <laughs> you know, like, oh, damn. That's why I don't know. There's so many like emotional things that they are going to think about. But like, I really do come back a lot to like that night being where I was like, man, I don't know. I originally went to school as an education major to like be a teacher and come back and fix the city and shit like that to be a <laughs> superintendent.
0: Blah 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 blah. You um, you are that character from Abbott Elementary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody I, hates Kristen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
2: Oh man. Um. But i was already having second thoughts about like can you really do anything within the system and stuff like that and then that night at the stoop i was like shit i think i could become like an artist that's like because y'all were like not sacrificing anything as far as like politics and everything going i was like man these worlds like can be the same anyway it all made it very real for me and then for like that to become like a crucible moment like when i moved to chicago so many years later specifically for like the art and organizing here um i think about like how your impact on me like Mm. Was like a direct like change in like my trajectory in life, like for real, for real. Not to be like, oh wow, you know, like hyperbolic about it or whatever. But like, that's oh, just thank very you.
1: real. No, I received that. That means yeah. a lot, Navar. Wow. <laughs> yeah,
2: of course, thank you. But I want to ask about like what your impact is like as a performer, as opposed to like as a media maker or organizer. Even if those things are separate, right? Like, mm. I don't know if like many people on Ergo like know you as a performer as an artist. Even though like that's how like I first know you, and then I was like, oh shit, you also does a podcast. What What are your impact as those like different? like things in your life and do you even see them as like separate things
1: one again thank you for the question and i'm humbled by it in working to like answer it sincerely it is like hard or jarring to like try to name impact you know like that's something that like you want to receive but but i do i i I get the spirit of the question i think i could i could definitely speak to it um so yeah you know the, the truth is i've been a performer my whole life and then Pursuing performance more led me to artistry and finding myself as an as an artist is what then gave me full internal permission to lean into transformation and to lean into particularly being like as aligned as possible to resisting oppression. And, you know, even to this day, as I I am actually like proud of the steps I've taken in the last six months and, and, and within the next year you know, have deeper plans to exist more in the world as an artist, it became very difficult because it went to the, to the backdrop for like some reasons that were intentional and some that were a product of like my own limitations and just like the way that life was moving. Um, But, you know, wouldn't have went to Ferguson if I didn't have the artistic community that I had. And if I weren't articulating the things that were within me, through artistic you know we we created a, a hip-hop stage show like a month or two before ferguson that was trying to talk about revolution in these coded ways and then it's happening in real life right and so if it weren't for saying those things out loud i don't feel i would have been as compelled or felt as responsible to the emergence of these last eight years now but then i think you know i think i bring a, a performative artistic skill set to all of the work that i'm doing so even when i'm educating or facilitating even when we're doing this whether it's comedy whether it's you know metaphor or just like the energy of performance it, it certainly defines me now in terms of the impact yeah I, i'm like really intimidated by answering that question yeah. <laughs> um but but i you know i have heard or I, I feel like i've received or i can observe in community um particularly you know through the ergo let us breathe intersection like being very intentional from jump that art making the the radical imagination creativity is not you know some extra add-on for grant funding but actually like the nucleus of the work and so even you know one of our central theses of the show was like hey it doesn't seem like a coincidence that these 16 to 25 year olds that have been going to these like pseudo fugitive open mics for the last seven to 10 years have like a different consciousness of the world right like that that wasn't incidental and without that would have been trying to be some expert or some talking head figure but I think also artistry has allowed me to wrestle with my own humanity my own limitations I think it also has given me kind of space to deal with the wrestles I have around positionality. You know, there was like a real awareness of like, all right, I can't get in here in this intersectional liberatory movement and then immediately start saying, all right, and now look at my bio or now look at me or now let me show up as this, you know, elite Figure in the space, right? Like, even if it's done sincerely, there's just something icky about that look, especially as you know you're just entering. And so, it's been a real tension and struggle. And I hope that people still see me in that. And like, for me, it is actually as central as like the intellectual work or as like you know the talking about political systems. And it made that space possible, just the space for experimentation, for nonconformity, and you know what, what my hope. Is is that like all notions of justice, liberation, freedom, revolution have to be creative, have to be sensual, have to be pleasurable, or or even the the difficulty, even like processing through trauma, I think uh, is done best when we engage that other side of how our mind operates, even though the mind doesn't work in a binary. Um, but that was a really good question that I feel like I struggled to answer or to get through, but but I really appreciate
0: it. <laughs> what you're saying is we might we might hear some some art from you sometime
1: in the vague future. Yeah, yeah, man. I've 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 been in the studio and it's feeling good. And I have a time that, that's another thing why this this concussion is really scary for me because like I I finally feel like I've gotten on the other side of a of a very important hump and like now I'm in like, oh now it's time for step two and step three of the process. Uh and I might just have to like sit still. And like the things about putting the art out that's like difficult or anxiety that, that angst is like felt more physically. But that was a that was me deflecting from saying the yes. Like I'm very excited and have been making music. <laughs> and for folks that have been listening deeply deeply, have been here be opine and agonized <laughs> over the last six years of I'm not doing what I want to do. And next next year I'm gonna do it. And like <laughs> I've been doing it over the last six to eight months, which even if it doesn't exist in the world in the ways I imagine, has already like created big change in my life and has been healing and healthy for me Amen. and fun but part of the vision though like there's to the point of like it all is integrated of like ergo the art writing and that be the way in which to organize because what I want people to hear me say is like I am not an organizer that is like my confession these are my confessions my admission even though I've been saying it the whole time but like I want to forefront that more for organized spaces but also for like my own well-being all right
0: there's right. going to be an usher these are my confessions sound drop there i'm just <laughs> <you know. laughs> man
2: thank you for that thank you for that thank you um you're definitely going to get some uh you know where the album at like comments and memes <laughs> I mean, for sure you know, i don't want do sure. to i don't want to <laughs> i'll send you
1: some of the, the rough references
2: hey I'll actually take that. <laughs> I will actually <laughs> take that. No <in> means, <laughs> yeah, nah. Um, please, let's bounce back to you, Daniel. I want to. I want to ask you what producer life is like. You know, it feels like you really relish like making things come together or like bringing things to the screen. But a moment I think about a lot. One of the first Ergo Lives. Um, I don't know if it was like the first or whatever, but like either way, way back when it was the one with um with Green Simon J Bambi. You were like, you know, like sometimes it's okay to be in the spotlight. because I was telling you about how like you know I don't want to be like in the spotlight and stuff like that. But I, I think about it so much, especially now where um, I'm not performing because there's like a, a pandemic outside and all that. But I think you also went through like the same kind of predicament of like, what's my place in all this? Um, even though like you are very good at being like at the forefront of something. Um, so I want to ask you about that kind of versatility within producer life too. Like you are very good at producing something, but you're also very good at like being in something. What's the value of like having that versatility? And like, how do you see yourself managing that?
0: That's a great question. The long answer long is uh, (laughs) my entry point in Chicago was always as a producer. Like that was the role that I came here to do. And we talked a little bit about that backstory before, but I think I really leaned into it because of some of the like dynamics, racially outsider-y, just like... (laughs) You know, when they say like this group to the front, that means that then I guess I'm backstage. Like that's back. (laughs) You know, that's kind (laughs) of how I thought of that. Um, and that wasn't really challenged by many people. Like that was kind of just like accepted and approved and people seemed happy with that. And it felt like a huge loss for me. Like I love being on mic. I've also been a performer my whole life. I don't have as many credits as Damon, but in my, uh, my, (laughs) You know, I was like, I was a tap dancer when I was little. I always was performing and in college was on mic on the radio show in addition to doing all this backstage production stuff. And there was this huge piece that I wasn't feeding. And Ergo really became like the only place where I was doing that in my life. And some of it had to do with the kind of production I was doing, which was much more live events. So that like really you know there's some creativity to it but in terms of like with the budgets and the scale of what i was doing it was really like putting pieces together very rational work chairs go here lights go here mic runs here like it wasn't it was like a technical role which is incredibly valuable and something i knew i could do to some degree but wasn't what i wanted to be doing and i actually credit so ricardo gamboa uh who I first met on Ergo actually when they came on the show and has been, you know, a deep, deep friend and partner and collaborator over the last few years who worked on the Hoodwazee really closely and have done other things. The first Hoodwazee meeting I ever went to, so this was real quick for listeners, it was an every two weeks live talk show in Chicago that started uh, the day of Trump's inauguration and went through end of 2020 um, and it was this kind of fugitive space I think is the best description for it and so I went to the first couple ones and I was like they really need some production help I have some skills I can offer went up to Ricky offered to help they said yes I went to the first production meeting we're going around saying our names you know check in whatever and I was like you know I'm here to do some production help and like you know would love to also like do some stuff on mic like if that's okay And Ricky, like, immediately, like, jumped at me. Like, why wouldn't that be okay?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was such an accurate
0: Ricky. (laughs) (laughs) Aggressive support. Uh, And so then what it pushed me out of was that, like, performative deference that, like, I had trained myself into. Because the truth was is that the reason why I wanted to be there was because I wanted to be part of the conversations that were happening. I didn't know if there was a way into that. I knew... I could provide value and find a way in the door doing this production stuff and then try to kind of like wiggle and finesse my way over onto the mic, which in some ways, now as I say it, like actually feels more disingenuous than if I had just said what I wanted to be doing. But, you know, I knew it was a way in the door. And so, in that challenge, I've talked to Ricky about it since. And what they were saying was, like, you're here because you have thoughts and perspectives and value. And in this space that we're trying to build, Like, there is room for participation from everybody. It doesn't mean that power doesn't exist and you don't have to account for that and be accountable and all those things. But, like, you don't have to shrink yourself in order to participate. And that's not, again, not true every space. Not everyone agrees with that. But that was what that permission gave me. And so I think I really carried that with me of like any space where it's demanded of me that I shrink who I am in order to be valid. I don't really want to be a part of that doesn't mean that I take up all the space all the time but it means like I get to be my full humanity and that for me means facilitating in public and being in public you also do all the other work of it of the editing and the moving things around and scheduling of that like it doesn't mean you don't do the other parts too but this shrinking that nobody asked me to do that I felt like was what I needed to do in order to belong I just was pushed out of that and that's where I think that balance really shifted for me and it made it much easier to choose to do the other work and find creativity in it because I didn't feel like I had to shrink that part of myself
1: yeah
2: that's huge and then to even know that like you then relay that to me like in a very similar Mm -hmm. this is very cool to hear about too like where that's coming from for you
0: that's one thing that I've done really intentionally is when people have taken me to the side or encouraged me or pushed me to think about things one on one here when they didn't have to. That's a responsibility I've tried to pass on. Like, it's like, oh, I'm I'm still in this check-in. Like, oh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> this is getting precise. <laughs> like within six months of working at YCA or being around YCA, uh, there were a couple employees who like it was after the holiday party or something, and they like kind of cautioned me. Of like, hey, you're around, you seem like a good person, you're in shark-infested waters here, like, be careful. And I could have heeded it more, and I uh, took that responsibility of, like, people should know the rooms they're walking into and what's expected of them. And so I tried to pass that on to other people who came in while I was there, and then with other examples like that that are more, like, generative as well. But, like, it's not my wisdom but if people are generous enough to offer that to me, I feel a responsibility to pass that forward. Thank you for it. Yeah. All right, Dane, back to you.
2: So I didn't know what to call this kind of thinking, but I called it like a tangent kind of thinking where like everything is everything, right? I think like that very often. And it's just like very normal for me. It helps me like process life in a way that like makes sense. But I always like saw myself as like different or crazy for that. And you were one of the first people that I met to were like, you were also thinking like that. You like have like this this very like broad picture um like mindset with things. Um I'm learning that's like more and more, like that's very common in like abolitionist circles or whatever. And like I just had never been like around abolitionists growing up. But it was very new for me, like when you like were like vulnerable about like thinking how you think and um seeing you embrace it helped me embrace it, um, which then like peeved into all that I do today. In particular, I think about there was there was a moment at like was it a reception i don't i don't know like whatever the celebration of love um that you and uh and Jennifer had last year either way we were all at um at the crib like afterwards or whatever and i'm looking around while everybody's like chilling and whatever and you asked me like what's going on in your head right now and i was looking at like the colors <laughs> and like why whoever like you know so i was looking at the colors of the and i was like i wonder like what when is the decision of like making this a burnt orange and like what that does for like the psychology and like anyone else i would have been like oh nothing but you i was like oh no i'm looking at the colors and i'm trying to think about like what that does for somebody who's living here or whatever um and then i asked you more about like what is it like to, to always be thinking about everything? And you were like, I just can't. Like, I kind of have to or whatever. In more, in more words than <laughs> that. Um, anyway, all to the question. Um, when I think about this grand scale of work that has to be done, I often think about you and how you are always also thinking about those things, but also thinking about, like, what has to be done in a day to day. Like, how do you manage it in your day to day? Like, you're a very busy person, a very, like, mindful person. How do you, how do you manage that? I don't manage it. <laughs>
1: Sorry, that's not... I shouldn't left out. I shouldn't have left out. <laughs> <should have> <laughs> no, <Nah>, I'm <joking. laughs> we just poke a hole in that premise. It's not being managed. Uh, um, um, again, I just think that the experience and the work has transformed me and also offered me a lot. And so I don't think I would be able to lean into or nurture or respect with sensitivity, those type of thought processes. If I weren't around community and human beings that wanted to talk about changing the world, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, if I was just doing this at, you know, some marketing firm and like disrupting the meetings there. And like the intention of that space is to profit at the end of the quarter, you know, I'm taken away, but you know, if I'm talking to Daniel, if I'm in a campaign meeting and it's like, Hey, we kind of need to also look at the the like 300 year trajectory of this, if what we're talking about is changing things that have been built over the last 300 years, you know, it, the, the space nurtures or is symbiotic to that type of thinking. So I think that's a real, real gift and honor. You know, it's, it's been harder to be in practice, but I think um, like not writing, but note taking, you know, like instead, instead of here, let me, create some full crafted piece that is crafted to give these little, you know, gems for the reader, make sure that this sentence flows into the accessible thought pattern to the next sentence, like, just write down as disparate as they may seem, all of the ideas that are coming in in kind of like a bullet point fashion, and then come to some new space that wouldn't have been possible without putting these like, large scale things, you know, into 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 focus and then i think you know also just a a respective observation and a respect of people of like the truth is dominance works because there's so much difference among among folks right like it it is very hard to naturally organically or healthily coordinate all of these homo sapiens all these primates like running around with all of these different instincts you know and so that's why i say like, oh well let's just Slap down with with this system of repression and force folks into what benefits us as the you know the beneficiaries of this system, and so in wanting to realize that people need to get out of that and people have evolved and emerged new patterns, there's a lot of like need for observation, need for understanding, need for holding all of the irrational imperfections of like what make us human um and so in order to say a message of change and transformation to large bases of people it kind of requires like a consistent wrestling of the very hyper specific hyper unique you idiosyncrasy against like you know how our little like chromosomes and ecosystems are evolving over the millennia right and so just like going the back and forth in between that as kind of like a day-to-day practice this is how it makes sense of the world and i think it comes from starting with revolution, which feels very abstract and vague. it's like change everything and create a whole new thing. And then that being specified through the lens of abolition of, okay, there is this central thing that we can kind of focus in on and hone in on. And we want to get rid of that. It's just not a good, easy conversation <laughs> to, to have with people At all. if they haven't been <laughs> it all the time. <laughs> and so just trying to find as many entry points and make it, um, take some of the pressure off of it. And so I'll kind of stop there with, I think what's really helped me is kind of a a spiritual shift around time, lifespan, and generation. And so when it went away from being a talking point to like really thinking about how do we have multi generational projects and get people to commit and align to something that you will not see the end of. um that just forced me to have to kind of, you know, talk on that scale. And then there's a lineage, you know, that, that I'm also trying to like be in conversation with. That's dope. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. These are, these are great, thoughtful questions. Oh, what, what happened? I said, these are great, thoughtful questions. I, I love this.
2: Beautiful. <laughs> I think about y'all a lot, about uh, 13 hours a week,
0: you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I do often think about how much you listen to our voices which is like, why we're about to do this, yeah. And not even, like, <laughs> passively listen, like, an audience member. Like, you've been, like, looking for quotes, looking for that. Like, you have spent so much time with our voices, for better or worse. <laughs> yeah. um, it makes sense that these questions came out of that. But I think about that a lot. Of like, god damn, that's a big ask. It, <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> you know?
2: it's really interesting because I feel like I interact with y'all so much. And then I'm like, I haven't texted either of y'all or like had any sort of interaction <laughs> period with either of y'all for like weeks you know except for like a cc'd email or something like that and i'm like oh i'm like surely i've just talked to them like 10 seconds ago <laughs> And no it's <laughs> yeah um that kind of that kind of leads into a question actually that i have so much of like the show is very casual right and it's very like love-based i think like love and grace and like like friendliness is very crucial to, like, the connections that y'all both, like, make, like, outside of the show and in the show, too. Um, and it's very obvious. And I think that's, like, I don't want to speak for, like, everybody or whatever. Like, I haven't done, like, a survey. But, like, it's why I love Ergo. It's why, like, I actually listen to it and, like, why I would listen to it even if I wasn't working for it. You know, everything feels like a friendly conversation over, like, things that, like, y'all would normally be talking about. And it kind of makes those things easy. Like by the end of any other podcast, I could tell this was 64 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like I was counting <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> like, you know, but with y'all, I'm like, oh damn, like that flew by. Like I sometimes I have to listen to episodes like three, four times because like it becomes so easy to just like as if like I'm like listening to people talk at a coffee shop. And then I'm like, oh wait, I need to go back and like get quotes. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but what I want to ask about that is like, did y'all have to cultivate that when when you first started? Was it something that like you had to be intentional about? Um, was it something that came along naturally? And as y'all grow, how do you, how do you do that? You know, now it's not just like the homies that you're interviewing, and we've talked about this, Lucy. But like, how do y'all like kind of cultivate that that friendly conversation? Um, as y'all grow.
0: Well, we did a lot of talking in coffee shops and I had coffee shop conversation. The two of us. I mean, that's part of it. Is just we've spent a lot of time talking to each other one on one, and so we can kind of just like slot a guest in, even if if they're not given something. That we have to adapt to if they're just getting in flow with us we can run but i think pandemic really threw a lot of that for a loop like we're just now figuring out i feel like how to be fun in a zoom recording like we can't be funny in the same way but we can still be fun and it took you know almost two years to really know how to do that um or feel comfortable doing it we were yeah maybe we were doing but (laughs) that part yeah yeah how do we build that like i mean so some of it is just both of us being verbal people and being people pleasers and non-confrontational and then also taking the the like theory of dialogue really really seriously and like embodying that and living with that in our lives like you know for now five of the seven years we've been doing this show we've been doing workshops about how to communicate in ways that account for power and recognize the humanity of the person you're talking to. And that's been something we've built that theory alongside, putting it in practice and learning and wrestling back and forth.
1: Book and, us to come have this conversation and facilitate you in, uh-huh. in humanizing dialogue and radical imagination. Yeah,
0: yeah it's continue. the thing we plug. No, it's the thing we plug the least. So I'm glad and I don't think yeah, I'm always I'm always happy for a Damon plug because I always feel <laughs> <laughs> like overly represented on the plug side of things. So thank you for it. Yeah. 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 Um, no, no, Hit us up. <laughs>
1: <ergo.com>. <laughs> um,
0: that's, it's ergoradio.com slash book. radio. You know, who's yeah, counting? Yeah, you know, you can Google find us, go to our there. website. Yeah. Um, but I think it's the combination of like, this is the skill that both of us had. There's lots of skills we don't have, but this is something we know how to do. And then like years of study in the same way Damon was talking about, like observation of people. Like we have sat on the outside of conversations. We have zoomed out from our conversations we are having and studied this so in depth now for a really long time that I feel like I can like read the cadence of someone's words and see the emotion like even without hearing it like looking at the waveform i can like see how they're feeling mm. um, oh, but, oh damn that yeah which sounds like but it's from studying what the long pauses mean and studying what the um mm. placement means and you know it makes me think years ago when we were in college and i interviewed kendrick he said this thing about like flex the ultimate i love it i don't do Help it often out. but it's hey <laughs> <day>. we're celebrating <laughs> um, but it was like right after good kid mad city and he said this thing about like his goal was if you just heard the beats and the skits would you know what the album was about Ooh. Like, that's the the like spirit that he was trying to create and then the lyrics are on top of that and that's like the artistry you know, on the second level, but the first level is like, does the feel of this create that feeling for you? And so, feeling like I can now learn that in dialogue, almost based on the the, the visuals and the pauses and the th- like, the words could be gobbledygook, and I feel like I could kind of understand
1: where people are coming from. You know? Yeah.
0: But I could. Yeah. That's that's a
1: lifelong study. I think he's right. There was some just like lifelong conditioning and personality traits that we're just really aligned on that, that, that serves us in this work. But then also the fact that this work went from building a connection to a relationship that we have. And so that grew. And so I, you know, I feel like a listener can probably hear and find that. So even if oftentimes it would be one of us have a better relationship with the guests and they were kind of like midpoint talking to that. Um, but now we have just a comfort and connection, Um, but then, you know, I think uh, observation I have as, you know, the podcast space has grown is that, you know, we're also not just talking to talk, you know, so obviously these are super important things, but even if they weren't as important, the thing that has annoyed me the most is like, there's just a group of people and we're just talking about current events, right? Like, it's just like, I'm just here and I want you to value my opinion just because, uh, and that gets really stale for me. But we're, we're talking about work that we are genuinely interested in. You know, there's media that I can take in or, you know, my two kind of frivolous, but I hope I can have like communal legacy work around is like basketball and hip hop. And I can listen to people passionately talk about those things for a very long time, as opposed to just listening to some rapper talk about what's happening on the shade room or, you know, who cheating on who on Twitter. And so not only do we have an interest in each other, not only have we developed, you know, these theoretical groundings of how all people we think should communicate with each other uh, but then we're really interested in the work and the learnings that are possible and now we have a deeper formal and informal relationship with an audience and so it, you know in the the type of love and affirmation you're offering we get seeds of that from people of i recognize now how people are benefiting from this so when i'm talking to somebody even if they're not as funny or as cool as like when we first started that might have like kind of turned me down a little bit or like discouraged me but now knowing that there's something we can bring or mind or dig out of no matter what the person is bringing to the table as long as they're not like crossing our values or saying like overtly whack shit um which has only happened a couple times overtly um, whack you shit. can
0: you can be personality whack but not ideology whack <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> yeah so
0: false. so
1: because we 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 are fortunate and especially through these partnerships we've built like we're very intentionally talking to people doing fascinating and important significant things it makes having a conversation about it flow much easier there's no topics right we're not doing like what are the topics today that we're getting to like that just sucks yeah that's been like very cool in the
2: past 100 episodes like i mean like y'all had like a mix of people before or whatever but like sometimes when y'all send me like here like the next four episodes or whatever i'm like oh Word (laughs) like all right let's get to it like and it's fun it's so fun every single time because i'm like i wonder how this conversation is going to go and no matter like how it does go it always feels like an ergo conversation and like i think a lot of podcasts in order to maintain that have to be like very topic specific either that or like the whole podcast is just their personality you know it's just like i want to listen to xyz person talk not necessarily like Their topic, yes.
0: Yeah, and we're we're, and we're learning that like our limitations don't have to be the show's limitations. Mm. As it grows and as our work grows, like it doesn't have to be us. (laughs) Other people can do this, and it can be part of like we want this to feel bigger than what the two of us can do. Yeah,
1: and and also I think I want to add like there are actual practices that we develop in terms of how we come into conversation. So one, like the the world treating you question is not just like. Listen to how ephemeral I can be about describing time. Uh, It it is an intentional, like, loving, warm, like hot towel, (laughs) you know, that's being offered to to like to like wash your face off to get folks in. You know, we do a a spiel at first that Daniel has like perfected, and like I think might be one of the symptoms of my head trauma that I'm not able to do as well anymore. Uh, But we 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 check in with folks about like what they want to talk about, what they don't want to talk about, before every conversation. Usually the answer is whatever you want or nothing, like 99% of the time, but following up on, oh, thank you for that. But the reason we're asking is we want to invite you to shape this conversation with us. And it's actually not about answering directly to our questions. We'll follow you on a rabbit hole. You can ask us questions in return. Um, And usually people don't, right? Like Usually people don't go too far off on tangents. We ask them every time. Rarely people ask us questions back. Um, but it creates a, a warmth, a space, a, a connection. Um, and it's like, a, I think, a real important practice that informs how people feel, especially now that it's virtual. Um, you know, I think we we had different rapport building techniques in our different physical spaces, but it's really important to communicate what our intentions are and create space for people that, that feels warm to, to kick it off.
2: And it's unique too, like having either, like, worked on interviews or, like, subject-based things in journalism or, like, had been the subject of things, like, very often there is, like, a very narrow, like, this is what this article will be about or whatever. Um, And not that we are, like, a news outlet. I mean, we are a part of the Chicago Independent Media uh, Association. Alliance? Alliance, yeah. yeah. Uh Like, I guess, so I guess, like, we kind of are. But, like, having worked in other media organizations, it's a very unique approach to things that, like, feels refreshing.
0: Yeah, we are offering people the agency to shape the conversation that they're part of. And that is I yeah, I think transformative. I think that, no, say it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Liberatory, yeah. Like it's it's one thing to to provide the space for it, it's another thing to explicitly offer it to every person we talk to and that feels whether it matters to them or not so important to how even I approach them, the questions I ask is like, I am not in control here. And as someone who loves control of things, like, <laughs> having to say, like, we're doing this together, like, we're making this together is, um that's where some of the artistry piece of it comes in. That's not production. That's artistry.
1: Yeah, and 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 I I prompt him to stand on it, because one, I just, I prompt Daniel to stand on things, but Chairs, couches, all <laughs> kinds of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get up on those ten toes. Um, but just had a realization we, we keep talking about how like this off mic facilitation workshop work has really grown us and really informed how we show up and so even recently like have been pushed on what our claim is because when we talk about this uh humanizing subject-to-subject dialogue approach that is informed by movement space and you know other types of forms of education what we say is like you have to account for power dynamics and how you communicate with people especially oppressive power dynamics, because if you do not, then through the the social dynamics of communication, that power will be replicated and perpetuated, which is true. But to that thing, I was just getting Daniel to stand on. But then if you do account for that power, and if you do create new subjective relationships, then we're creating new possibilities. It's saying the same thing, but it's just, it's the affirmative as opposed to like trying to negate the negative of What we hope is that, you know, not just the work that we are creating this time capsule of itself has revolutionary possibility. The way in which we are having conversation is transforming people and creating new possibilities for humanity towards more just, liberatory life. And it feels true. You know,
0: (laughs) it's done it it for both of us. (laughs) You know, it's transformed us. It's transformed our relationships. It's transformed our work. It's had that ability, so not to project, but if it can do it for us, I feel like it could be useful for other people too.
2: I think that switch y'all had in in Ergo's mission from like showcasing the people, reshaping the culture of Chicago, to like we are reshaping, especially (laughs) also like then turning it to like the more liberatory and um and creative. Um, I think that was huge because I was like, oh, this is
1: that that's essentially like that's another thing that's time capsule. Equity got co opted in our. Maybe it was before. Maybe we, we were late, but it definitely no, but it
0: changed. Yeah.
1: The, the word equitable had a lot of hit when we first were, <laughs> were coming out. And now it just, it sounds very corporate. Now, so now that, it that wears
0: was, a button down.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> word, word. That's most of the questions that I have for y'all and everything. I didn't want to like get too like in the weeds or anything. And I didn't want to like, I don't know. I, I didn't want to assume anything of like the listeners of like what they might know versus like what I might know. But I really wanted to learn more about like y'all's people or like bring that conversation to the forefront,
1: so
0: oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. are there any um <laughs> you know you've worked closer with us than anybody? Are there any like <laughs> funny quirks or eccentricities or just things you've observed about us that you've like I just I you 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 know us a bit in this work oh. and nobody
1: else does. So well, what what's lifelong dream is to get roasted. Like, <laughs> he's always prompting people he treated sensitively. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, I kinda like you. it. You wanna and nobody must me a little bit <laughs> <Yeah. does> it.
0: <laughs> Oh here with all these fucking generative, transformative people, nobody wants to throw a little shade at <laughs> I, I don't know if this
2: should go on air, but something I noticed um Damon was like during um ad placement for or whatever but it sounded like yeah i'm gonna go check this out or whatever like i i I noticed that with like the ads (laughs) like daniel kind of like you know but like like every time we like there's an ad you're like yeah you guys should go check this out. I can't <laughs> wait to go to an Illinois yeah. humanities thing.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I gotta get my every yeah, my, my I'm sure no play. one I'm sure I, only, I I only, I I'm sure I I mean, only fuck I'm sure I only not it. going. So maybe maybe that's that's part of the, the truth, I am yeah. I am literally staying in the house and not logging onto <laughs> anything. So maybe exactly. I feel like a liar because I'm telling people to go to the thing that I'm not gonna I think go that's for. what it is. That that actually reminds me of uh we used to do community announcements and like for the first like twenty five to thirty weeks i was like game and then it just it just wore me out man. i was like like, have go good luck community like i don't know we all have the same phones like i'll see you there or i won't but this is this is too much you you know what i won't see you there but i but i encourage y'all to go
0: you're you're like a you're like a parent like getting your kid out of that you're like go have some fun you know go <laughs> go play yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Your socks off. exactly yeah.
2: i try to think of like other quirks
0: it's not it's
2: not a quirk in the show at all but daniel i love how you call rosie toots all the time mm. and it very mm-hmm. much like i have this i have this scene in my head of like Rosie being like petitely angry at you or something. It, this isn't like real. It's like a scene completely made. But like her being mad about like, I don't know, like the toppings you got on a pizza, like something small. And you being like, but toots. I was just doing it. For like, <laughs> just like a, it's just something I see in my head so much. Oh, um, yeah. So no, then that,
0: that, that came from her and actually like her family. They they would call each other toots. And so I've, I've been oh, invited into the toots.
2: You co-opted the toots. That's crazy.
0: Toots, Tootsie, Tudor, Toto.
1: Toot, oh, no, tatsoi—it's it's a whole thing. It's great. It, it's real because I've had to resist the surprising urge I've had to call Rosie toots. Whatever, like, that's inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> <So> far, <laughs> when,
0: I was, when I was just <laughs> home with my parents, and I got exasperated with each of them separately, I called them toots accidentally. And like, damn, I guess that is the word I use when I'm like a little frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's oh,
2: funny. It's funny as oh. hell. Um, can we
0: can we give you a little affirmation before we leave? Give you some gas? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. So we didn't we didn't prepare our remarks, but um, <laughs> you know, we, we kind of talked about earlier like when you came onto the show and where we were in our work. And so, one just on like a, a a work and labor level, like the the kinds of growth that have been possible because of your contribution to this show, are so pivotal and central to everything that has grown since then. Like none of this could have happened without your work and your consistency and commitment to this. Like that just is a given. But I think also I've really appreciated the like way that we've you know gone through growing pains and learned together how to be in a like coworker relationship which i have no experience really in and as someone also delegating and you know in a traditional workplace like being a boss to your role and that like this is something i had no knowledge experience or expectation of in my life and It's been a joy to like fumble through it with you and like feel like I could just say what I was feeling insecure. I didn't have to project a confidence or an assuredness in that. Like we could work through it together. I wouldn't, you would tell me, I feel like if I was putting too much on you in terms of helping me build those things, like it wasn't, I still had a responsibility in it, is what I'm trying to say. But, I didn't have to be the perfect boss. That wasn't what we were going for. And you were able to state times where things weren't working for you. Yeah. And we could kind of like fumble through this growth together of like, I anticipate in these next chapters, there'll be more people who are brought into the fold and not that we have everything figured out, but I feel like I have a little bit more of a sense of how to do that work in alignment with my values because of the grace that you've shown me. So thank you for that patience and that grace and that like, sticking to it and that consistency. Um, yeah. And just the like generosity of that. Cause I have a lot of examples of who I don't want to be, but I've really been trying to figure out like, who do I want to be in relationship to people in my professional life? And so thank you for helping me build that together. Glad to be a good employee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm like, messing I'm messing a partner in that. No, it's, it's, yeah. it's, cool. yeah.
1: And you know, I, I just want to say, Devon, you are just a—you um, are a beautiful spirit, and I'm just like grateful to know you and be in community with you. I think the things that you can be the most proud of are the things you can do with people, and so from us being just two persons to becoming each other's people and wanting to have people, and like you have been the first member of this team and have just been an amazing teammate. But in getting to know you, just the the, the loving, kind, affirming willing spirit you've had in many auspices that i've seen you in and just the way that you impact people at large is really beautiful so all the time your like name comes up you know third hand or tangentially people don't even realize that you're connected to us and it's just always the same love so thank you for for bringing that and like you know it is shown not only in your work and you know your, your fingerprints on what ergo is becoming but to Daniel's point and like what I think was beneath the even the technicals of the relationship but the the type of relationships that you allow and that you make possible so yeah thank you so much and thank you for this too this was really beautiful and you asked some, some real thoughtful questions that's
2: cool as hell thank y'all thank y'all thank y'all so much
1: I wish I like was more social even before
2: before COVID I feel like I'm very afraid to go outside um, so I wish I like hung out with y'all more when y'all like asked me to and stuff. But yeah, I really appreciate it. I really really no do. we are
0: this is an agoraphobe friendly podcast here at this point. Like Damon Damon's not going outside because he's a vampire now in relation to the light. I'm not going out because of pandemic. You yeah, know, we're we're yeah. we're in the house. No, for for the
1: for the hardcore listeners who've been listening to all three hundred of this, I'll at least speak for me. This has been, you know, the phrase like we outside. This has been the I was at the peak of my outside. <laughs> Like You have watched the going inside is what is happening. We, we are inside. Is what is. <laughs> we inside so, with it. We so, inside so, with it. So I hope to get back out and I'll invite y'all when I get out there, but you know, we have come inside officially. <laughs> Thanks,
0: Thanks for, for hanging out inside up. with us. <laughs>
2: How can um, people best <laughs> you, <know? laughs>
0: you can go like everything Devon's ever made for Ergo at Ergo Radio on all socials. Um, and to that, like, we're inside point, we will occasionally go outside, especially if you're booking us to come to a workshop, <laughs> uh, facilitate a conversation and, in, you know, on stage thing, hosting concerts, talks, all that type of stuff. We also will remain inside, and you can book us for that for virtual events and talks and workshops like that. Honestly, that's been really, really fun also to get to build that space that way. Please reach out, bring us to your space. Uh, that info is slash booking. Share an episode, share Davon's work with a friend, comrade, person you haven't talked to in years but you've been waiting for an opportunity to reconnect with this could be a nice olive branch to someone you have tension with get in those contradictions uh anything else
1: people should should know Nah, yet y'all know what it is that's where we at davon why don't you shout out some of your spaces where folks if you'd like
0: to yes Uh, where do you want to be found
2: for now i'm at build coffee on wednesdays and fridays i can come make you a latte or whatever As long as you tip, you don't got to tip, but like you should tip, bro. But you should. should
1: Yeah. In general, but you yeah. have to tip Davon. I'm not I'm not allowed to say that, but thank you. <laughs> like tip.
0: um, Tips are not mandatory the- at Build, but they are at Ergo. <laughs> like if you want to be a listener and you get a call from Davon, you've got a tip. Uh, we, we will, will rescind smart, your Apple yeah. podcast description. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. I wouldn't see that world. Um, we will reject yeah. <laughs> you. <laughs> slide through the Build. That's the home. We're at uh, 61st and Blackstone, right off of Stoney. Um, it's a little coffee shop at Woodlawn. You can find me at Day by Davon, D-A-Y B y d a v o n, yeah, that's that's it. That's where I want to be found.
0: Beautiful, and uh, we'll be back wrapping up the celebration suite next week. We got a real fun one uh, to bring it home. And with that, let's uh, let's get on out of here.
1: Yeah, much lots to the people. Peace, peace. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to do that too. Get it
0: in there. That's, great. <laughs> that's good. That's great.
2: This is a celebration. Celebration.
1: I was over.